0: A start on Demand. on Demand.
1: Do you use filters when you post pictures on social media? I know depending on how old you are, you might not care about that sort of thing. But for young people, a lot of them use filters and it is creating all kinds of issues as it pertains to body confidence. So we had an important conversation about that this morning. Some doctors are saying the current restrictions in Manitoba aren't enough and are suggesting that we need to tighten things down rather than continue on what they describe as an endless roller coaster of half measures. And this week, we're celebrating mom. We're giving away on Friday a $500 gift card for Namath Diamonds. So all week long, we're going to hear stories about your mom. And today, we got some amazing stories about a time your mom got mad at you. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb this is the Monday, May 3rd podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Well, McGarry and McNabb for the moment, because Loren, we're opening the week with a bit of a virtual showdown. A digital rumble is happening with Chorus Radio because Forte in production says, I'm trying to pull up Greg, but I, I hear a woman's voice. Oh, so I say, is it Sam Stevens from Peggy? (laughs) and uh and then he told me some other technical things i said yep that's peggy so i asked them uh i said hey greg's usually on this line is sam on it today and they said yep and they just gave us some other links so i guess they've now claimed they've laid claim loren to greg's line so now he has to find
2: a new one (laughs) this ain't right this ain't right you can't just go take take taking the lines you want Oh, he's on the phone now. <laughs> oh, boy. We can't, even, we can't even connect via the World Wide Web? No. Can you feel the steam coming out of my ears? Can you sense it? <laughs> How dare they? How dare
0: they? <laughs> that line has been my line for months now. Even though I've only been back at home for two weeks, so I guess maybe they have as much of a, a legitimate claim on it as I do. But I'm, 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 not happy. This is not the
2: way I wanted to start my week. I guess. And these lines that we're using are called opal. But I think we should have a throat. We should build an oval ring and have an opal throwdown in the oval. Oh. We could, we could create a whole radio showdown over it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there we go. You know what? I'm actually
1: surprised because we've been doing this now for a year where so many of us have been working from home. And I think this might be the first time where I've seen two people trying to lock horns on the same line. Like the fact that we even now have this this digital infrastructure, Loren, still to this day kind of boggles my mind that we are able to pull this off.
2: Uh, yes, but I have to tell you behind the scenes probably once a week. I'll tell Forche. so and so is connecting with us. Our next guest is going to be using this line or this number. He's like, no, they're not. That's being used by so and so. And I'm like, oh. right. And he has to tell me that like every single day. So nobody at home ever knows that, but on a pretty regular basis, Forche's like, well, that's not going to happen, Loren. Remember, so and so is already using that line. I'm like, hmm, yep. Just testing you, Jeff. Just want to make sure you've got it all technically sorted. Because I know I do, Forche, So you know.
1: Alright, so we'll get this sorted out. Steam's coming out of Mackling's ears. I do have to ask you though, Loren, uh, because you got your shot on Friday. How are you feeling?
2: Good. I feel good today. I did not feel good in the middle of the night Friday. I, I got it uh, done at the pharmacy in Charleswood because I live out of town, so I had to shop around at all the shoppers in different pharmacy locations to try to find... The vaccine for me. And so I got in actually just ahead of the mayor. Mayor Brian Bowman followed up after me. He had an appointment at the exact same pharmacy he and his wife, Tracy. So um, we will always share a vaccination day. It felt like we should have some sort of Kate, cake or ribbon cutting with the mayor there. Like cut the ribbon before he opens up my vial of vaccine. But I didn't feel good Friday night. Like I woke up in the middle of the night into Saturday with the chills, fever, nausea kind of thing going on. And that kind of lasted up until about 2 or 3 in the afternoon on Saturday. And then I just went to bed basically at 7.30 Saturday night and slept a good 12 hours. And then I was fine yesterday. So all good, hopefully. Here we go. 12 hours. Impressive. Yeah. Well, it was probably more like 10 at the time I fell asleep and I got up a few times in the night and that kind of thing. But yeah, it was solid. Just just the exhaustion that came with that was, as everybody warned, I know it's been different for different people. Uh, that was my experience. Kind of similar to yours, Brett. Just more just the overall fatigue. And uh, the arm's a little bit sore today, but that's, that's it.
1: All right. So the three of us have had our first shot. And as always, you can text us two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight with uh, your vaccine experience. I know, Greg, over the weekend, I was actually pleased to learn that a couple of my buddies who are in their 20s are now eligible based on where they live. I have a friend who lives in uh, Wolseley and I have another friend who lives in uh, the Bridgewater area. And uh, he said he's got his appointment. And I said, what? And then he said, yeah, we're in that Fort Gary South region which was recently uh flagged so uh it's good to see more of these things getting out getting done because we need this race to continue to speed up
0: oh no question about it and it's so encouraging to see how excited people are when their age group comes up or some other deviation from the regular plan comes up that allows them to be vaccinated and so that is encouraging and listen you want some you want some inspiration in terms of how quickly things may return to normal i know i've been relaying to you some of the adventures that my friend scott in san diego has been having he's been back at padres game since the beginning of the major league baseball season early in april for a month already his daughter whose wedding is coming up in november is on her way to phoenix this morning for a conference now, this conference normally has about 2,000 people, and I guess they were able to restart and kickstart this thing on short notice, but they're going to have 700 people there. So this is how normal things are starting to become in the southern United States. And it was only, I think, Loren, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was in February that Arizona was like the hardest hit. They were going through there. They're pseudo third wave, and uh, now they're host- hosting, pardon me, conferences for people around the United States. It's just a, a dramatic turn of events.
2: It's it's so fascinating to see, too, because it's, so, it's such the opposite of what we're in and feeling right now in terms of, you know, someone says, what do you got, got any plans for the weekend? And you sort of stare at them with dead eyes, like no do you like what (laughs) Yeah, we we're not planning things for work we're not planning conferences i mean you can get to the golf course i know brett you did that over the weekend and you go to parks and it was a lovely amazing gorgeous saturday so tons of people were out and about walking around but you're planning for things like conferences and weddings and all the rest just so seems so far down the road still from manitoba
1: We've got to start with the fact that there were 554 new cases of COVID-19 counted over the weekend with a test positivity rate sitting at 7.7% provincially, 8.4% in Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, but the number many within the health system continue to watch, Brett, is hospitalizations. Right now, there are 167 Manitobans in hospital with COVID-19 and another 40 patients in the ICU. Dr. Anand Kumar is an infectious disease expert and critical care specialist. He warned of a third wave back in March. And as Global's Joe Scarpelli explains, he's worried the current public health restrictions don't go far enough.
3: Manitoba's coronavirus cases are on the rise and Dr. Anand Kumar is expecting the trend to continue.
4: From an ICU and from a hospital point of view I think things are going to get much worse over the next couple of weeks.
3: Using the last wave as an example.
4: I mean we got to within I think within a week or two of, of breaking the system when we got up around 400 cases a day The last couple of days, we've been up around 300.
3: And he says current public health orders won't get the job done. What will get the job done, he says, is implementing restrictions similar to last spring.
4: Basically, to shut down again and accelerate uh, vaccine uh, delivery. I'll be pretty surprised if we don't go into uh, another level of restrictions within, you know, a week or two.
3: Manitoba isn't the only province with a threatened health care system. I am very worried about the healthcare system, honestly. Alberta is seeing record coronavirus numbers, and Dr. Lenora Sachsinger argues that province's restrictions are insufficient too, stressing tough public health orders can work. The evidence is that you need more stringent, stricter and
2: longer regulation, uh, um, periods of public health restriction to get variant surges under control.
3: Kumar calls that a maximum suppression strategy, as has been used in countries around the world.
4: We've been using a, essentially what I consider to be an endless roller coaster of half
3: measures. Joel Scarpelli, Global News.
2: So uh, this doctor, Dr. Anand Kumar, is actually one of several people who put his name to an open letter that was published in McLean's magazine on Friday. Uh, they're looking for what they call a maximum suppression strategy. So basically, this is another group of experts who feel like what's being done, whether it's in Manitoba, Alberta, Ontario, is not going far enough. And they've, they're have they essentially, they're not trying to sound the alarm. They're just saying, you know, we've learned over the year that just when we think we have this virus beat, we don't. And so while vaccinations are continuing, they're I guess the concern is that that isn't rising at the rate to which the variants are rising and these cases are rising. And so they're really taking their case public again, basically saying we need to do something to avoid a fourth wave of the pandemic, which like honestly has me, I'm scratching my neck right now just thinking about that possibility because we're just getting into this third wave here in Manitoba, Greg. And so I don't know what else that would look like. What Would would it be going back down to that supreme shutdown we saw a year ago? Nobody wants that.
0: Uh, no question about it, that nobody wants that. There are people who are complaining that the restrictions that we have right now are uh, strict enough, if not too strict. So uh, those numbers, uh, right from the get-go, I, I think that the the hospitalization rate, the ICU, that is the number that has been most concerning. Yes, talk, test positivity rate is a predictor or a future predictor of what we might see in that realm. And also the number of cases announced every day, right? That's That's the... That's the early data that turns, that's sort of the predictive stuff, Brett, that tells you how you've been doing and then will most likely predict how you're doing in terms of these hospitalizations and ICU admissions. And, And that's the number that's most critical because there's a finite capacity in the hospitals in terms of what they can do for you if you end up in hospital. We don't want to get to ever a situation where they're having to decide on who gets the oxygen, who gets the ventilator. And that's what, from day one, that's what all this has been all about, crushing the curve in order to prevent doctors and our medical system from having to make uh, very, very
1: difficult decisions like the ones I just outlined. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. Do we need tighter restrictions? Do we need to go back to what we had last spring to try to suppress COVID-19? You can also email Mackling at CJOB.com, McNabb at CJOB.com, or Brett at CJOB.com. This week, we are celebrating mom with Namath Diamonds, and we want to to give mom something timeless, a $500 gift card from Namath. So we're going to find four qualifiers this week based on the conversations that we're going to have on mom. And today we're asking you to tell us about a time your mom got mad at you. (laughs) And hopefully it's a good memory. Like uh, at the time it was kind of scary when my mom decided to throw a, a a milk carton at me. From across the room in the kitchen, when I was I think seven or eight, but I was being a brat and I had it coming. So uh, now I, I laugh about it, and we laughed about that uh, through the rest of her life. So tell us a story two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight for your chance to win, well chance to be our qualifier for today. We'll pick that qualifier at nine fifteen. Mckling
2: full full milk carton. Yep. <laughs> like an empty one would fly much nicer but i was like that she she put it on the line you could have had a real mess there
1: i know i actually don't remember what happened because i think i fled i'm pretty sure i just fled the scene good move <laughs> but uh, uh yeah i pushed her to her breaking point and she had had it had it i was being a brat so there you go mackling you got a story
0: yeah, I guess it was the night my mom phoned all the hospitals and the uh, police and my dad and my brother, trying to find me. I was gone for—I oh, guess it was a solid 24 hours. She had no idea where I was. The police finally said, uh, "Ma'am, how old is your son?" "Uh, he's 30." <laughs> <laughs> It's—it uh, it is uh, Stampede Week, ma'am. I was living in Calgary. My oh, mom had come that for a vi- visit. It was my very first day of Stampede. I picked her up at the bus station at 7.30, dropped her off at home before I went to work. I said, mom, we'll go to the keg for dinner tonight. And uh, I did not get home until about eight o'clock the next morning. I had had my cell phone forwarded to my home phone. So she was calling me in this massive circle. And uh, let's just say my first day at Stampede was Very good for me, not so good for my (laughs)
1: relationship with my mother. (laughs) Oh, that is dynamite. What about you, Loren?
2: Well, I'm perfect, right? I've never done anything wrong to have my mom (laughs) yell at me. I can still... I mean, there's many... My my mom wasn't a... Yeller, like she didn't, she got mad, but it was more like in that look. You know, when moms have that look, they can turn and give it to you, and I can still see it. So it's kind of like whenever I'm about to do something I know I shouldn't, I imagine that face and it kind of controls me. But it's when she discovered I had bought my first and only pack of cigarettes that I had ever bought. And I want to say I was in junior high. I'm trying to remember if I was grade seven or eight. And she was washing my winter coat. And all of a sudden, I get this. Lorraine can you come upstairs right now and she's standing in the room next to the washing what are these and I was like oh man I am in for it and she just grabbed these cigarettes ripped them all into pieces threw them in the sink it's like what are you doing and I said I don't know mom I didn't even like it I just bought them it it was players light too I don't even know why that was the choice and the look she she it wasn't mad like it was like that contained fury you know where your mom's looking at you and you're like I'll never do it. And I never did. I, I may have smoked again, but I certainly never bought another package of cigarettes again. And I still, to this day, hate smoking because I can see my winter coat. I can see my mom's face. And I can see her shredding those cigarettes over the sink.
5: But how cool did you look when you lit up uh, a
2: <laughs> Oh, I never. I couldn't even inhale without coughing, So I usually <laughs> just held the cigarette. Like I just would sort of stand there holding it. I don't know. I hate. I hate the smell of smoke. I don't know what I was thinking. She was. I, I, yeah. I should just package that look and just put it on a poster. <laughs>
1: <His> <laughs> ultimate disappointment was that. Oh, look, so
2: disappointed in me. So disappointed. That oh, could I be. The, sh- I gotta call her right now.
1: That could be the next warning label they use on the packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Your
2: mom in. does not <laughs> approve. <laughs> uh,
5: Count Poitras. Uh, well, my mom. Um, to this day, can't watch Malcolm in the Middle because she is exactly like Lois. And, uh, you know, and, and that's raising three boys in the same house. I guess you can kind of see the comparison. But she can't watch the show because it hits too close to home for her. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about it, but I I, I couldn't really single down anything because I had a good mom, no complaints. I mean, at the time, you know, you're, you're going, you're a kid like, oh, my mom is so unfair. But I look back on it and it says, I, you, most of the time I deserve to be yelled at like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, One of the things that she used to do is she used to come into the room, and it would be about something, and and she would just start screaming at me. My mom was a big yeller. And so she would yell at me for like 20 minutes straight. And then she would leave, and I'd be sitting there catching my breath. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'd be sitting there for five minutes, like, lying in bed with my eyes at the ceiling, like, trying to, like, find some sort of semblance of reality again. And then she would open up the door again, and another thing. And then she'd yell <laughs> for an hour again because she remembered something. Um, so <laughs> it just, uh, yeah, that's, that's my mom. But I love her to death. She's, she's a great mom.
4: Jeff Braun. My mom's from New Brunswick, and we'd go out there to visit a lot, and when we'd be out there, she'd buy, you know, like a bunch of food that was sort of local to New Brunswick that they didn't sell in Manitoba, and there was some kind of chocolate bar, I can't remember what they were, but they didn't sell them here, they only sold them there, so she bought like a giant bag full of them and brought them back home, and one day a buddy of mine and me just ate them all, we ate like 10 chocolate bars between us in one shot, (laughs) And because we didn't know that they were, you know, a delicacy in Manitoba, you couldn't get them here. And then when mom came home and like saw the empty bag, uh, she blew her stack like she's never blown her stack before. I heard about that for years. How dare you eat all the Yada, yada, yada. That was that was one of the best yellings I ever got.
1: <laughs> Jeff Braun, by the way, joining us on the phone because of the technical issues that we had earlier this morning trying to get Greg on the line. Fortier, what about you?
6: Oh, you know what, Loren's story just reminded me of uh, being a teenager and, yes, you know, sneaking out in the middle of the night to go have a smoke with uh, one of my friends. And to sneak out, I climbed out my window, and my, my parents' place, it's a bungalow, but the window is quite high. So after sneaking in, and me and my buddy had our smoke. I'm trying to sneak back in. I can't get back into the window. It's too high. I'm trying to climb, and I'm trying to climb, and it's just not happening. I'm making a bunch of noise, so I just said, screw it. And I just went to the front door. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mom. Mom opens up the door, and she's like, what are you doing? You know, like, she knew what I was doing. And, you know, just the look. It's that look of disappointment, which is so much worse than her being mad. It's just, ugh. Oh. You know, it just looks at you and looks down. You know, you screwed up. Yeah. That. I
2: cannot tell you how many times since having kids, and they always say it's once you have kids, you realize the effort that your own parents put in, or when you're around kids, or even just, you know, helping friends out with kids. I have called my mom so many times over the past 10 years since I had my first to be like, just wanted to offer you an I'm sorry. And she's like, why? I was like, I don't know. I just feel like you really deserve an I'm sorry right now because of the just residual shame and sadness I feel for anything I may have done as a kid. Yeah. yeah they always say that. It's like, you're going to, you're going to, when you, and you're, when you
5: have kids, you'll do the same thing. And you're like, no, I won't, never. And then you, you do. 100% you do. I feel like I would do it. I don't have kids yet, but I would do the exact same thing.
1: Oh, boy, we are getting some amazing stories this morning. You are telling us about times your mom got mad at you. Because this week, we're celebrating mom with Naboth Diamonds. On Friday, we're giving away a $500 gift card. Today, we will find our first qualifier at 9.15. And inspired by Fortier's story about sneaking out for a smoke, Aliyah says, I used to sneak out of the house often when I was a teenager. I had a room in the basement and would sneak out through the well window. I snuck out one night and met up with two friends at a Tim Hortons close to my parents' house. I did the old trick of stuffing the pillows under the bed to look like a body and even used a mop for my fake hair on the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, at about three in the morning, my mom got a call from my friend's mom, who I was with, asking if she knew where my friend was. Then came the call to my Nokia cell phone shortly after. So she came and picked me up and didn't speak to me that whole day. The mom Ooh. cold shoulder, oh. Greg, I that was like the worst thing ever. The mom cold shoulder oh yeah my
0: mom was a yeller too and she could yell with the best of them and i always felt worse for my baby brother because there was five of us and she would go through the whole list (laughs) you you knew you knew you were in for it when you but when my mom went silent oh boy oh boy you knew that not only was she mad but she was disappointed and that was that was even
2: worse what about the it's fine that's fine that's your choice. That's your decision. Oh. Then that's fine. Oh. You're like, so it's not fine? No, that's fine. If that's what you think <laughs> you should do. <laughs> and I've thrown that out a few times, and I'm like, oh man, just say what you mean. But that is saying what you mean. <laughs> that's that's your decision. No, go ahead. That's your decision. Make it happen. You think that's the best <laughs> thing to do? Go ahead. So I shouldn't do this? No, that's uh, not what I'm saying. Does that does that sound like what I'm saying? <laughs> tight controlled anger
0: oh boy oh man you clearly know what you want to do here but that's you know it's not up to Just, me to tell you yeah. what to do i've you tried to give through, you the I tools guess. to make the decisions that are important to you to make the go right decisions in life to choose the proper path it's fine. and wherever you go from here is completely up to you wrong or right
2: it's, it's no problem it's fine, guys. It's fine.
1: 204-780-6860. sweaty just listening to this right now. <laughs> Tell us a story about a time your mom got mad at you, and we're going to have some fun chatting about that through the morning. Coming up in our next half hour, Loren, we're talking about selfies, and as in particular as it pertains to teenagers.
2: Yeah, so this is out of a commercial that uh, has hit the airwaves over the last few weeks, and it's through Dove. And Dove has actually, over a couple of years, done lots of things to try to promote positive body image. And yeah, I get that this is an advertisement, but they've done some research showing how often young kids, and in this case, young girls, are using apps or filters, or different things that you can have on social media to alter their image before they post it. And so we'll get more into what the results of that survey that they did were at 737. But we have been asking this question this morning, do you use those filters? Do you hold the camera up high or make sure your photo is done at a certain angle before you post it? Before you ever put yourself out on social media, do you even throw on lip gloss or make sure your hair is done properly? I mean, how often are you double checking how you look and maybe even altering what how you look, Brett, through these apps before you put it out there to the world. And the results for young teens are super scary because you want them to grow up with a positive body image, but at the end of the day, adults are doing it too.
1: Yeah, adults are doing it. I know that uh, on dating apps, in particular, there are a lot of pictures with filters, and some of them are are super obvious, and some of them are just like kind of silly, like they've got cat ears or whatever. But there are other ones that where you you think I can't tell if this has been altered because there are ones where you can make just slight alterations, like maybe you want your eyes to look a little bigger or to pop out a little bit more. So that can be kind of sneaky. And uh, I know thats I think some dating apps have actually banned that. Like if you you post a filtered picture, they will punt it. Uh, So it's it's not just for kids, but I do think, Greg, and I don't know if you ever got around to watching it, but that Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, Mm -hmm. uh, part of that focused on this kind of thing and uh, the, the body image issues that kids have now or potentially could have is just something that we never had to deal with when we were growing up. But it's scary, especially when you look at something like Instagram, where you see how many uh, women, for example, have made careers just out of out of being hot on social media
0: you know it's a good point. And Loren, you, you mentioned something that I was thinking about when I we knew we were going to have this conversation. I do it too. I hold the, mm-hmm. I ha- hold the camera up, right? I don't want uh, for my uh, chin, chin, my chin yeah. to look chin, too yeah. big, and and the certain uh, angles and the old trick, you know, uh, to lean forward just a tiny bit, and that ha- and uh, tries to hide <laughs> what you might have in your midsection. <laughs> and so if I'm doing it at my age where I'm not really all that concerned about what I look like, I can only imagine how difficult it is in terms of being a teenager and body image issues. I know, I know my boys deal with that as well. It's not just a girl thing. Sure. It, it, boys deal with it as well. Uh, both my boys always said, dad, I'm too skinny and then uh, I get made fun of for being too skinny and and I'm too tall. I'm a beanpole and all these things like, so it doesn't matter You know, you you think, oh boy, I'm carrying some extra weight. Well, you know what? Kids get, it seems like they get a hard time no matter what they look like. And so when you're taking those extra steps to try and filter or change or alter the way you look and how you're presenting to the rest of the world, ah, there's some serious conversations need to come out of that. Like, why do you feel the need to go down that road and uh, hopefully we're going to get some tips here in about a half hour's time.
1: Question of the day at cjob.com. Do you ever use filters to change your image on social media? Uh, your options are, yes, but just the funny ones. Like I uh, have a picture on my Instagram. It's from uh, 2016. Of, uh, it's uh, I, I, the face of a pineapple, and the pineapple is throwing up pineapple juice. So that's a funny filter. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. Yes, I want to look as good as possible. No, but I don't have a problem with them or no, I don't like them. Kevin the Garbage Man says, I was always an angel, so Mom never got mad at me. Sure, Mm. Kevin, sure. We're asking you to tell us a story about a time your mom got mad at you because this week we are celebrating Mom with a name with diamonds. Friday, we're giving away a $500 gift card. We will find our first qualifier today at 9.15 based on your text messages. And, Lorraine, Liz's story caught your attention.
2: Liz texted to say, My mom worked at the Norwood Hotel and had been there for years, and my friend and I decided to go into the bar to have a drink. So the waitress came over to take our order. And when she was coming back, I looked at my friend and said, Oh, expletive the waitress bringing the drinks to us is my mom it's supposed to be her day off so when she got to our table she very quietly told me to get my butt out of here and we discussed this when she got home i never moved so fast and when she got home i thought she was going to shoot me i got grounded for a week liz i'm just gonna say i I feel like you could have chose a different location for this drink (laughs) with your friends like i don't know did you think you'd get served there more easily like i don't know what's going on no offense liz (laughs)
0: <laughs> not too right? clever. Not no, too clever. Not really the road to go you down. You have lots of options. I yep. mean, St. B. Yep. I mean, I, I could list off three or four places you could have gone instead, and, had, and probably had a you know a much better time back in those days. So, uh, Liz, what were you
2: thinking? oh but who doesn't love a good? We'll talk about this when we get home. <laughs> Yeah. Hey? She couldn't yell. Yeah. But you've she- kind of liked it. You're like, Well, they can't yell at me right here, but you're like, Uh oh, this is gonna be far worse because she's holding it in now for Hours before she gets home She's gonna be steamed
1: Just gotta sit and wait in anticipation For the, the bomb that's <laughs> about to drop When mom comes home Brenda says, when I was 15, my mom dropped me off At an outdoor concert in the parking lot At Maine and Jefferson, circa the groovy 70s I found my friends, sat down and lit up a smoke One minute later, there was a tap on my shoulder I turned around as I exhaled Right into my mom's <laughs> face I forgot my jacket She didn't say a word and left Knowing I had to face her later was oh, worse God. than being yelled at. So. There
2: it is. Just the walk away. The walkaway. You know you're going to get. Ruin your
1: whole night, too. Yeah,
2: you can't have fun now. You yeah. better just go home. <laughs> we'll keep those Mom's stories bad. coming.
1: This is amazing stuff. 204 780 6868. For a chance to win. Yeah, the walkaway. The cold the shoulder.
2: I'm coming with you. I'll just walk with you, Mom.
1: <laughs> no, I don't want you to come. Stay <laughs> yeah.
2: here. That's right. Have fine.
0: fun with your friends. Yeah, have a fun race. made your choice. It's fine.
2: It's fine. <laughs>
1: Do you ever use filters to change your image on social media? And we're asking that question this morning, Loren, because of what we're about to discuss.
2: Yeah, it came after seeing a pretty thought-provoking commercial released by Dove. And yes, it's an ad, but it's a very powerful one. It's called the reverse selfie. And it shows a young girl posting her photo to social media. And then it goes about showing all the changes. So it kind of moves backwards through time. She made to both herself in the image before posting it. And it ends with a sad girl, beautiful girl, you know, no makeup on, staring at herself in the mirror, clearly indicating that she's not happy with her image. And so she makes all those changes to alter it before sharing her photo. And Dove did that ad after they did their own survey that showed by the age of 13 years old, 80% of girls have used a filter or app to change the way they look. 67% of girls surveyed admitted to changing or hiding at least one body part or feature before posting a photo of themselves, Greg.
0: Yeah, we know research continues to show the majority of teams report having a negative body image and social media is not helping. Jill Andrew is the co-founder of the group Body Confidence Canada. Jill joins us now. Good morning. Good
7: morning. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's our pleasure and this is a conversation that needs to be had should probably be having more often Jill some startling numbers out of out of your advocacy campaign and the one from Dove what's your immediate reaction to those numbers and and the numbers we shared just a moment ago
7: You know the numbers are heartbreaking To be quite frank, you know, this uh, pandemic has been so difficult on families across our nation. And, you know, our young girls especially, you know, they just haven't had the community spaces, access to their guidance counsellors, to community centres, to libraries, you know, to social life uh, the way they usually have. So to think that they've been saturated sitting there for hours upon hours on social media you know, and participating in distortion of who they are and what they look like uh, it is heartbreaking and and these are the kinds of stats that you know create the social conditions that exacerbate eating disorders, quite frankly. you know we know in Canada we have over a million uh, diagnosed cases of eating disorders. You know, and this just makes the situation worse. So it was heartbreaking to see those statistics, quite frankly.
1: Well, as somebody who in my early 20s uh, for a, a period of a few months, I had an eating disorder. So it's not just girls. Boys are impacted as well by negative body images, right?
7: You are very, very right. In fact, you know, as we dig further or as we work harder to unpack toxic masculinity and discuss gender boxes and how they try to, you know, fit people into certain boxes based on who society thinks they are and who they're not, we realize that more and more boys and men and gender nonconforming people are, are suffering with eating disorders and eating problems. I mean, back in 2017, Body Confidence Canada, we actually worked with uh, then Trustee Lisa Naylor, who's now an MLA, and we created Body Confidence Awareness Week um, as the first week of October annually in the Winnipeg School Division. So that's just part of how we help to raise awareness um, about body image issues, about body confidence, confidence uh, about the need to to celebrate diverse bodies it 's so critical, you know um, I, I I luckily had a chance to be a subject in a hot docs documentary playing currently called Body politics, and it 's all about my journey as a body image advocate. And as a fat person who is taking up space in the legislature in Ontario and fighting hard to ensure that, you know, representation matters, to ensure that young girls, young boys can see that you can be fat, you can be queer, uh, you can be anyone and still pursue your dreams and achieve them uh, with the right supports in place.
2: Jill, how do we have a, a honest conversation with our kids when we know as adults we struggle with this, right? We were, we were saying in the last half hour that, you know, I, I'm, I've always, I've said to friends, please don't use those filters. You look great, you know, show yourself as you are. But then at the same time, I'll put maybe lip gloss on before I have a picture taken. You hold the camera up high to hide a double chin. You do all these things, even as adults. And yet we're trying to teach our kids to have this positive body image when maybe many of us struggle, you know, in our thirties and forties and fifties. So how do we just change the conversation So we're all doing better around this.
7: You know, you're very right. I struggle, too. You know, none of us are perfect, even those of us who are in the body confidence or body positivity, you know, movement, so to speak. The reality is we just have to stay very transparent. Uh, We have to be authentic with our kids. I think it's important for us not to hide that we as well struggle, because I think sometimes as adults, we want to project perfection in how you should handle societal pressures, when in fact, if the kids see that, you know, we're also struggling, but we're also making the right decisions. I think that can be very, very helpful. We want kids to know that they're good enough. You know, we want to show kids um, that, you know, they are good enough and that it really should be about, you know, going after the things in life that make them happy, you know, going after the things in life that make them a good person. And we have to mimic that. You know, we have to echo that. Their bodies are strong. Their bodies take them from point A to B. Bodies are complex and complicated, and some are different. They look different. They sound different. They move differently. You know, they achieve different things. We really want to emphasize to our kids that diversity is not a weakness. It is a good thing. It is a good thing, and it's something to be celebrated. You know, and we really, really want to ensure that our kids know that what they're seeing on social media You know i say this to young people all the time you know your friends are the real people you know that are there and i get it it's hard virtually now with COVID 19 but our friends and loved ones are the real people who are there for you who listen to you who who celebrate your voice who care about you not only on the good days but the not so good days right it's very easy to get seduced by likes and retweets and, you know, all of that attention that we get on social media. And that's why we have to fight so hard, you know, to be, to be, to be seen and heard in our authentic self.
0: Yeah, that's an extra level that we never had to deal with, Jill, ourselves as kids, that social media pressure, the likes and the comments and all the different things that, you know, those uh, images that live forever. Thank you for this, Jill. Thank you for the work that your group Body Confidence Canada is doing. We appreciate the time very much.
7: And thank you for covering it. It's so important that you did.
1: (laughs) And coming up today, Loren at 1230, Dr. Brent Rusin will be providing his latest update.
2: Yes. And to be clear now, it is and has been confirmed by the province that this is just a regular update from Dr. Brent Rusin. A half hour ago, we we received conflicting news releases in our email box that one indicated that it was about additional public health measures. And then a follow up one said it was a COVID-19 update. It, does not appear there are any new announcements coming as far as restrictions are concerned. I've confirmed with the province this is just Dr. Rusin's update. Doesn't mean there won't be a lot of questions about what is or isn't working as we work our way through this uh, third wave, Greg, because of course we know that there are some doctors and different folks who work in the hospitals who are saying we need to do more to clamp down so we prevent that surge in hospitals. So of course, Dr. Rusin will get those questions, but we won't have any additional health measures being announced today. It gave me a bit of a Stomach flip flop there because I whiplash, first of all, trying to figure out what was coming. And then, of course, there are all sorts of questions from people out there right now about what's going on and what should be going on when it comes to sports or schools or activities or what have you. Yeah, I think some
0: people are on pins and needles. So apologies to anybody who heard that and uh, got worked up and got those butterflies in their stomachs and and wondered, oh boy, what's going on next? What's coming next? Nothing is coming next, at least not today. Just uh, Dr. Brent Rusan with his regular Monday update. Uh, those numbers over the weekend were a little bit startling, though they were bothersome, and uh, they're on the rise, and uh, we'll. Keep an eye on those key met- metrics, and uh, number one has been right from the get-go. Brett, uh, in our conversations with a variety of epidemiologists, uh, but right at the top of the list, Cynthia Carr, right from the get-go, those hospitalization and ICU numbers; those are the critical numbers because that are that's the numbers that are taking the pulse on the medical system and the healthcare system as to as to where we are and, and to how much more that we can handle. Those numbers uh, are not going down, they are in fact
1: going up. And so we have to keep a very close eye on those for sure. So that update coming at 1230 today. And in the meantime, we are asking you to text us a story about a time your mom got mad at you because this week we are celebrating mom with Namath Diamonds. We're giving away a $500 gift card on Friday. So we need four qualifiers. Our first one is today. We will pick said qualifier just after 915. Kevin texting us saying, oh boy, when mom said, I love you, but I don't really like you very much right now. Hurts, Greg.
0: I might be familiar with that saying, <laughs> considering I think that's my brother who <laughs> takes that in. Yeah, yeah. My mom was really good at that. Uh, my mom was uh, my mom was someone who uh, could really play on your affections. And a real quick story about my mom. Uh, when my mom passed away, we were all having dinner together, all five of us, and somebody mentioned the fact that, yeah, you know, mom said that I made the best tea, and then. Another one of us said she told me I made the best tea and it turned out that she had just told all of us that we made the best tea because she didn't really like making tea for herself. She liked it being
1: served to her. So uh, she was she was
0: she was good at the game. I like to say my mom was
1: (laughs) and Bill texting. I was saying in 1973 when I was 11. I went to the mall with my mom, brother and sister. I wanted my mom to buy me something, and she refused. So I proceeded to be a miserable brat for the rest of the time. When it was time to go, I refused and threw a tantrum. So my mom said, fine then. Stay here then. Goodbye. She drove away with my brother and sister, and I had to walk home 13 miles. I had a lot of time to contemplate my attitude. (laughs)
0: That'll learn
2: you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I always, I've, I've wondered. There was four kids in our family, so I had three siblings, and I, I've often wondered how often my parents wanted to leave one or all of us on the side of the road as we made our way to and from various places, or in the grocery store or wh- wherever. Right? Like, oh, uh, yeah. Sp-
1: It has been a tough couple of weeks for the Winnipeg Jets. Carrie Anderson is having a difficult start at the World Curling Championships. Lots of places to go, Greg, with Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
0: Yes, uh, let, let's try and at least have a smile on our face as we do it, Bob. Good morning, sir.
4: <laughs> Good morning, you guys.
0: So the CFL draft is also coming up tomorrow, a chance for CFL teams to load up on Canadian talent. We'll ask you about that in a moment, Bob, but let's start with the Jets. They blow that 3-1 lead in Montreal Friday night, back at it in Ottawa tonight. This is their longest losing streak under Paul Maurice, and it includes no caveats like an overtime or shootout loss. In your view, what on earth is going on?
4: Well, they look like a team that's totally lost right now. I tweeted after the game in Montreal that uh, if you could find anything positive in that, you know, you really are looking at it through rose-colored glasses. The six losses in a row, they've been outscored 26-9. to 26-9. Uh, you know, they can't defend, they can't score, which was always their strength. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, of all people, has not been the reason for this losing streak, but he hasn't been as brilliant as we expect him to be. Uh, Mark Scheifele has three points in the last six games. Kyle Connor has one goal. Uh, Blake Wheeler has one goal in the last 10 games, so the players they're counting on to score are not scoring. I think part of it's a confidence thing in in sports. When you lose your confidence, you start second-guessing yourself and you start pressing, and it appears that they've lost that. Here's a, Greg, let me do a bit of a glass half full look at this, if that's possible. And I know for a lot of Jets fans right now, it isn't, but the last game they played before this six game losing streak, they beat Toronto five to two and played a terrific game against the Leafs. Now that was game 44 of the season. They've played six since they're up to 50. So what do we do? Do we dismiss what happened in the first 44 games and accept the the real Jets in these last six, or do we say the last six are just one of those teams, a big slump that teams can go through and believe that the first 44 games are a real indication of what the Jets can do, which is score, play good enough defense to have your goalie bail you out when he needs to, and have success that way. So... We'll find out in these last six games if they can regain their mojo, and two of them are against Ottawa, two Vancouver, one Calgary, one Toronto, and I, even if they play well in these last few games, I know a lot of fans are going to go, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. It's only Ottawa and Vancouver that they're beating, but it's important for the Jets to win some games and get a good feeling now, and I think they can do it. I, I think there's still enough talent there for them to play so much better than they've been playing, but again, confidence is a – it's an elusive quality in athletics and the jets clearly have lost it now and uh, boy we'll see if they can see if they can get it back these are troubling times troubling times for them for sure but they can turn it around that's the beauty of sport
2: well, it's troubling times for fans too, just because there's so many people, myself included. You put the television on for a distraction of everything's going on in the world, and you can't find the wins with the Jets right now, hoping to get one tonight, Bob. And then I had a friend say she was watching curling over the weekend, you know, looking to for that for that three-hour distraction to have some fun. And then Carrie Anderson's rink is now one and four, and she's like, "What the heck's going on?" Like that's the one thing I can count on is Canada doing well in curling. They lost to the United States yesterday, and then of course we have games postponed. From yesterday morning because of COVID, positive COVID tests. So what can you tell us about what's just happening in that Calgary bubble right now?
4: Well, I've watched every game that they've played with the exception of last night's because it wasn't uh, televised. They have a COVID outbreak among the TSN broadcasting crew and they're not going to be able to televise any games again until Wednesday, which is really the, the strangest thing maybe that's happened in the last few weeks related to COVID. But Anderson has lost to four of the best teams in this competition, Sweden, Switzerland, Russia, and U.S. And her team hasn't played badly until last night. Anderson shot 54% in the game against the Americans last night. They lost by one point, so she had a bad game. But up until that, it was a key miss here, a key miss there, or the other team made some great shots. There was one shot in the game against Russia. Uh, that uh, the Russian skip, if she tried it 50 more times, probably would make it once. But she made it, and it was a key shot, and it led them to victory. So, you know, I think they've had some tough luck in that regard. They're 1-4. and Uh, Now they've gone through the toughest part of their schedule. They still have a lot of games left to play. They have nine games left in this round robin, and most of them are against teams that they should, quote-unquote, should beat. Uh, so, I'm not writing them off yet. I'm sure their confidence, I talked about confidence, is low right now. And, you know, they're feeling pretty down on themselves for sure. But this team is too good to write off the top six, make the playoffs. And here's the added pressure for Anderson and her team. The top six countries in this event at the end of the round robin qualify their countries for the Olympics. So, if they don't make the top six, Canada will not get a spot in curling in the next Olympics. Uh, So that puts enormous pressure on Anderson, never mind trying to win the World Championship. So I would say don't write them off. I think they're too good. I think they'll come roaring back, win a bunch of games in a row, and make the playoffs. There you go.
1: Back to football. The Canadian draft tomorrow. Did you catch any of the NFL draft extravaganza last week?
4: Uh, oh yeah yeah I watched uh, the first round on Thursday night what a job the National Football League does of hyping and delivering a spectacular event they're so good at that I give them a ton of credit yes I did Brett. I watched it the, there were four Canadians drafted and they had the rest of the draft over the weekend four Canadians were drafted and a couple of others have already committed to sign with NFL teams as free agents so at least a half a dozen of the top rated Canadian players for tomorrow's Canadian Football League draft have now committed to the National Football League and that will alter what the teams in the CFL do in terms of picking players. The Bombers have the third overall pick and this is a good it's a good quality draft as they say some of the good players already committed to the NFL but there's lots of good ones still out there. So the Bombers are going to get a good player and as always They will draft somebody who doesn't look like he's headed to the National Football League. They'll draft a player with their third overall pick that they feel has a good chance of coming to Winnipeg. So uh, the Bombers are going to do well, I think, in the draft tomorrow night.
3: How important
0: is that CFL draft, Bob, for those of us that maybe want to write it off as uh, no big deal in comparison to the NFL thing? Because there's no pop and circumstance. Just, yeah. just tell us how important it is in terms of restocking your Canadian talent, and and how really the Bombers' success at the draft table has has certainly uh, took took the help take them down the road to the 2019 Grey Cup.
4: Well, it's crucial. It's crucial to the teams in the Canadian Football League. You have to have 21 Canadians on your roster, and the team typically, and Greg, you've heard this over the years, the team with the best Canadians is usually the team that has the most success. And the draft is how you get your top Canadian. So it is crucial. Now, it's a much more understated event than the NFL draft. Everything that the CFL does is more understated and under the radar than (laughs) what the National Football League does. We all know that. Uh, But, no, it's, uh, it's critically, critically important. And you're right. In the last number of years, the Bombers have had tremendous success with their Canadian draft, and that's been one of the reasons why they've had so many good years in a row. Bob Irving joins
1: us every Monday after the 8.30 news. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure, as always, sir.
4: Hey, uh, Brett, you're a golf fan. Mike Weir won his first uh, golf tournament of any consequence yesterday, a Champions Tour, a senior tour event in Texas. Uh, he has been without a win for many, many years, so a great day for the Canadian Mike Weir.
1: Yeah, that was good to see him in the winner's yeah. circle again. I thought for sure that we would never see him uh, achieve any sort of great success again, so that was a nice little uh, story to see over the weekend.
4: Well, when you get older, good things happen, Brett, you see, in golf and in life.
6: Okay, Bob Irving. I like that. <laughs> some That's, wisdom.
2: A, we need a T-shirt that says that, and Bob, you could put your face on it. I'd wear a button with Bob's face and that on it. Oh, no, you would. Yes, I would. <laughs> You're yes, just
4: trying
0: to be nice. No. Hey, here's, here's something for you to think about. You can't shoot your age in golf in your 40s or your 50s. There you probably go. Probably not in your 60s either. There you go. There
2: you
1: go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll shoot uh, double my age. Uh, that's for sure when I'm 50. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, not a good weekend. At, uh, I was at Kildonan Park over the weekend, and the train bridge defeated me. So, yeah.
0: What'd you get on that hole? A six, six. I hit. I, hit, I, hit it, I
1: got the over the bridge, but I hit a tree, and I got the ball was just buried ah. in some garbage. The guy in front uh. of me, the guy playing in front of me, he actually had to hit his ball off of the bridge.
5: <laughs> oh, get out!
1: <laughs> yeah, he went up there and he hit his. He, he did it. He hit it. But uh, yeah, that's a neat hole at uh, Kildonan Park. <laughs> Kristen. Texting us saying, when I was quite small, I had a favorite toy, just one of those wooden balloon sticks, but I thought it was great. One day my brother and I were fighting. I ended up poking him in the eye with a stick. Upset, my mom snapped it in half and tossed it in the fire. I was pretty crushed. A few years later, I was playing with my baton. It was pretty 90s sweet, you know, the clear tube with the multicolored tinsel inside. Oh, yeah, that was the stuff. My brother kept taking it from me, so we started fighting loudly. I guess it was a little annoying. So my beautiful baton suffered the same fate as my precious stick. Now I'll probably get in trouble for sharing this story, too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, it reminds me, you know, my mom and parents will say this. Don't make threats that you're not prepared to follow through on, right? So if the kids aren't behaving and you say, that's it, you won't have TV for a week. Well, you're also punishing yourself. that threat like to take you know certain things away from your kids you got to follow through on your your promises and I remember my kids were playing they got one of those McDonald's toys in their Happy Meal it was like a minion and they were fighting over it and I stupidly said if you don't stop fighting I'm taking that minion and I'm throwing it out the window because we were in the car so they didn't so I did and I felt terrible after I felt guilty all day long that I threw this 67 cent minion out the window they were crying so as I go to pick them up uh from school at the end of the day I drove back to the ditch where I would checked it out and uh of course that day a lawnmower had mowed the ditch and there was that minion in like a thousand pieces so I couldn't even bring it back to them shredded minion oh (laughs) I mean by the time I picked them up they had forgotten all about it but man did I feel awful you you gotta follow through when you make that claim to your kids well we will pick our
1: qualifier in our next segment and uh, rob actually has a story that kind of ties into that guilt that mom might feel yeah. so uh we'll share that one for sure but in the meantime the 2020 tokyo olympics were supposed to take place well last year in 2020 we all know what got in the way of that greg
0: yeah, the 2020 games, believe it or not, are now scheduled to take place, if all goes according to plan, July 23rd to August 8th, 2021. And Canada, of course, has design on capturing medals in many competitions. It would be difficult to imagine that a medal for the women's soccer team isn't on the wish list. The Canadian women's team currently ranked eighth in the world, Loren, just behind Brazil and
2: England. Our next guest is captain of the Canadian women's soccer team, two-time Olympic bronze medalist, Pan American Games gold medalist, and an NWSL Pro League veteran out of Kansas City. And we're so pleased to welcome to the start this morning, Desiree Scott, of course, from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Good morning, Desiree. Hi, good morning. How are you guys? Oh, we're well. And, you know, we've had to ask this question so many times just about how unusual the last year has been for so many of us but what's the past few months been like for you because you're trying to work this timeline towards the Olympic games and and hoping that this year it doesn't change
8: yeah it's been weird for everyone for sure obviously sport has been canceled and back on and paused again you know it's just it's adapting to everyday and taking one day at a time it's such a unique um kind of world that we're living in and to try and prepare for a Tokyo Olympics is <laughs> it's a unique beast in itself so I'm just trying to take it one day at a time, make sure I'm ticking my boxes and being the best I can be every day so that if those games happen, I'm there and ready to rock.
0: So much of what you've accomplished, I can only imagine, is a dream come true for you, Desiree. And if we can walk down memory lane just for a minute here, 16 years removed from the start of your collegiate career at the U of M. And it seems like, at least from the outside, that it was just yesterday, you know, we'd listened to the sports at 25 after the hour when Canada was playing a friendly or an international match. Just, oh, is Desiree going to get in the in the lineup? And now you're one of the veterans on the team. What is it like to have your career evolve to that point where you're playing alongside Christine Sinclair, somebody you looked up to growing up? And I, and I don't know how she feels about that. Do you ever admit that to her or?
8: Yeah, it's it's wild that I'm still pinching myself, living my dream, playing for our country and professionally. It's It's been a fantastic career and some major, you know, memories that I'll never forget along the way. And I, I look back and I see where I've come from and where I am now. And it's just, it's wild that I'm still able to do this and still enjoying it as much as I am. And I have told Christine Sinclair, you know, I used to watch you on TV, and she just tells me to, to stop it. She hates the limelight, or any. she's so humble, which is why I love her. But she doesn't like to hear any of that stuff, and I usually hype her up more than she likes. But, um, yeah, just such a pleasure to be able to still represent Canada on the world stage. It's crazy.
1: So you're here today on behalf of Save on Foods and their Fueling Sports Program. We've heard over the years the challenge aspiring high-performance athletes have had in making sure they have access to the right foods. So talk about that access to nutrition and why it's so important.
8: Yeah, luckily I've been chosen as an ambassador for the Fueling Sport Program with more rewards than Save on Foods, and they're looking to just help not only elite athletes like myself with providing us with free food and, and the access to discounts, um, at Save on Foods, but they're also looking to launch a program to also help the local community clubs and the people who are aspiring to get to where I am one day. So it's really a full circle and and fueling that pathway to to the podium. And it's just it's incredible, you know. With athletes, we have to watch what we're eating. We want to fuel ourselves in the right way so that we're able to perform. And this program just helps us do that. So it's it's really truly special to be a part of
2: it. So I was reading uh, that breakfast is your favorite. Meal of the day, is that more just about the energy to get going because of what you do in life or you genuinely just like the food that comes with that? I mean, I can get on board with bacon, but I'm not sure I would say breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. So why is that?
8: No, breakfast for me, like I genuinely enjoy the breakfast items. Like pancakes for me are a go-to on game days. They're a go-to when I have a day off. Um, eggs are a staple in my life. I eat them for dinner. There's that commercial that says, no, that's just for dinner. That's me. Um, I just love the breakfast foods. And also I think it's a fantastic way to start your day. I enjoy my cup of coffee and it just sets the tone for the rest of the day.
0: Desiree, I can remember back in the day playing uh, soccer with a, a, with a young, young man who was really one of my best friends and his, he almost missed a, a playoff uh, because his parents couldn't afford to buy him cleats and all the parents on our team got together and and, and we got, we got him a pair of cleats. I'll keep his name out of this uh, for obvious reasons. And it was uh, obviously a sign of the community coming together, but also just, you know, soccer is one of those games where you really don't need very much equipment to participate, but there are obstacles and there are barriers. And and maybe just talk about some of that, that you've seen over the years, the ability to overcome it. And then just maybe that next level and touching on the nutrition again, that might be preventing somebody that's got incredible natural ability from participating at the level that they might might be capable of participating at, if not for a lack of access to to decent nutrition?
8: Of course, yeah. So obviously with sport, there comes expenses, and there's some people who who have trouble paying for those things. Administration fees, you know, equipment fees, they do add up. There's tournament fees. Um, And over the years, playing for a club has become more expensive over time. Definitely when I first played, I couldn't afford it at the time, so I know that inflation has happened, and it's even more expensive now. And I think as we learn to get knowledge around how to fuel your body properly and nutrition becomes more of a topic, I think you realize just how expensive it can get. You know, the the better produce, the organic, it's, it's almost double or three times the price. And, um, you know, that, that adds up over time. If you want to fuel in the right way, you need, need to buy the right things and the right groceries to do that. So I for sure can imagine that some families have trouble doing that. I have trouble doing that sometimes. I'm like, ooh, do I want to play that much for this pack of strawberries. So you do debate those things, and then it does overall over time can affect your performance. So hopefully like this program can help remove some of that, that barrier and, and that financial issue there, and, and yeah.
1: Desiree Scott, captain of the Canadian women's soccer team, here to talk about fueling sport through Save on Foods. Desiree, always a pleasure. Thank you for the time today.
8: Thank you so much for having me. Take care.
1: Mackling and McGarry McNabb, we are celebrating mom this week with Mother's Day just around the corner. On Friday, we will give away a $500 gift card for Namath Diamonds. We need four qualifiers. We have found our first qualifier. We are asking you today to tell us a story about a time your mom got mad at you. And Rob is one of our runners-up. I mean, the, all, so many... Amazing stories. Thank you. And Rob, Rob's story ties into that guilt you were talking about, Loren, when it comes to handing out punishments. Because Rob says, The summer when I was going into grade 7, hormones were raging. My friend and I jumped onto our dirt bikes, drove about 16 kilometers to a girl's house to visit a set of sisters. The afternoon flew by... Came home for supper. My mom had been looking all over town for me. She met me in the barn and dragged me in by the ear. Yeah. I was six feet tall. My mom was five two, but I was grounded for the entire summer. Later, she told me the punishment was way too severe, but she couldn't admit that at the time. She had to teach me a lesson. Very long summer with myself and uh, my hormones. Rob, thank you. And uh, Kevin's got a good one too, Greg.
0: I was going to say, probably not easy for uh, Rob's mom either. And Rob, uh, was it worth it? That's the only question I have. Back in 1981, I was 13 and my mom was at work. I went fishing for her, caught a 14 pound Northern Pike, big fish, brought it home, all happy. It was still alive. So I filled the bathtub and put the fish in it thought yay i didn't read this i'm reading this cold until she came home in a rush went to the washroom well that did not go over well (laughs) a blood curdling scream came from the bathroom she came running yelling there is a shark in my bathroom oh boy sailors would have been proud i had to clean the tub for hours from the smell of the fish and fish scum never Did that again, but still smile at the thought. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. That's from Kevin.
2: Oh, I love that. I hope he continues to get her to cook her fish for Mother's Day. That would just be the way to keep that uh, kind of going. Okay, this, though, is our winner. And I love this story for the twist. I was about 15 years old. My younger sister was always snooping in my diary, but never got caught. Finally, one day, mom said, write in your diary and put in a pretend story at the end and make it so believable that she will tell and this will catch her. Well, I wrote that pretend story. I said my friend and I had taken a motorcycle ride with the Hells Angels, drank and then hitchhiked to a wild party. I can only say yes, sister Reddit. Yes, she told my mom. And yes, my mom believed her. It was the pretend story I told her. None of it was true. Nope. But I got into so much trouble, was grounded for a month for something I didn't even do. Oh, even God. after many years, mom still doesn't believe me, says <laughs> oh. Michelle. Oh, I didn't love
0: Michelle. Coming. Congrats-
1: I love that story. Congratulations, Michelle. You are today's qualifier for the $500 gift card.